Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Run It Like a Girl. The crew is currently busy preparing for Season 2. But in the meantime, please enjoy this rebroadcast of Run It Like a Girl's Top 10 Most Listened to Interviews. Up next, radio morning show host Orlena Kane. Orlena Kane is a woman on the move. On top of her full-time job as a morning radio show host in Belleville, Ontario, Orlena is a budding stand-up comic, an author, and an entrepreneur. She's been involved in modeling and voiceover work. She's had acting roles in commercials, worked on ET Canada, and was a host on the Shopping Channel. But life was far from rosy growing up just outside of Belleville. I suffered 10 years of abuse. I was four years old till I was 14. I suffered, you know, sexual, mental, physical abuse on a daily basis for 10 years. And it shaped me to be a strong and confident and powerful woman because had those experiences not happened to me, I wouldn't be who I am today. You're about to hear Orlena's incredible story of perseverance, determination, and sacrifice, and her journey back from the depths of despair. She talks about the importance of mentorship and giving back, and has some advice for young women who are struggling. So I think for women everywhere who have had horrible things happen to them, we need to start doing really good things to feel good. Volunteering at a soup kitchen, makes you feel good. Um, maybe babysitting or looking after people's children. You need to start doing really positive things that make you feel good to help heal yourself so that you can become successful. The remarkable and energetic Orlena Kane on this episode of Run It Like a Girl. downtown Belleville at Quinty Broadcasting in Mix 97 Studios on the beautiful Bay of Quinty, where we're meeting with radio morning show host Orlena Kane. Orlena, thank you for taking the time to be with us today for an episode of Run It Like a Girl. My pleasure, and I'm glad that I was able to fit it into my busy schedule. It's hard to sometimes tack tack me down. Let's start with your background. How, how did you get to this place as a morning show radio host? Yeah, I know. It's like roll. Okay. Let's roll this back over 40 years ago. Right. So I, I always like to, and I think it's important to look back every once in a while to, to where you used to be and which I, which I don't do very often, but when, when I do look back and I see kind of where I've come from, which is a small town farm in Foxborough, you know, raised, uh, with very little money and we had not a lot of funds. And my mother was, uh, you know, a single mom, teenage, teenage mom, uh, got married at a very young age. And then, you know, just kind of the journey of being in a small town, and my life on the, on the farm and growing up in Foxborough was very hard. Um, my mother was a teenage mom. Uh, when she got married, I was, you know, in, in my early, I think I was like seven or eight years old. But she was she was a young mother and she got married to the wrong guy. And starting out my life, in short, I suffered 10 years of abuse. I was four years old till I was 14. I suffered, you know, sexual, mental, physical abuse on a daily basis for 10 years. But while all of that was happening, 
and I was um, in, in public school, I excelled. I was an all-star track athlete. I usually came first in all my races, a volleyball star, soccer star, and not basketball because I'm only five foot four and a half. So I never got to that. And then I also did incredibly well in school. I could read before I went into kindergarten. And I also got straight A's uh, going through public school. And all of that was going on at school. But at home, my home life was very difficult, very traumatic. And it shaped me to be a strong and confident and powerful woman. Because had those experiences not happened to me, I wouldn't be who I am today, which is somebody who knows that you can face the worst things in your life and still come out on top. And coming from a small town and and deciding that I what I wanted to do. When I was a little girl, I thought, I'm going to be a solid gold dancer. I'm going to be um, a famous singer. And instead, I'm behind the microphone in a different capacity. But I always enjoyed the communication. I enjoyed writing. I enjoyed speaking. Uh, so much that my nickname growing up was Gabby because people would say, oh, she never stops talking. You're never going to make any money in life if you don't stop talking, which they were totally wrong. But when I, I, I went through uh, high school and when I was 19, 20 years old, I decided, you know what? I've got to get out of Dodge. And I think for anybody who's experienced really traumatic things growing up as a kid, you have a vision of what who you believe yourself to be. But if you stay in an area where... Everybody thinks they know you and has a picture painted by your past. It's very difficult to outlive that. It's very difficult to become who you believe yourself to be when you're surrounded by what has happened to you. So I left Belleville. I chose to move to Toronto and I didn't have anything. I didn't have hardly any money. I had a, I had a car, a used car, and most of my belongings were in that car. And so, and then from there, that's where I, that's where I just kept moving forward in that direction. I never wanted to look back. And for 20 years, I lived in Toronto and I was never coming back to Belleville. I was moving on and I was out of there. And while I was in Toronto, I, I had, you know, stumbled into modeling, stumbled into voiceover work, and then uh, some minor acting commercial roles and, all that time when I was in Toronto, I, I got an education as a social worker because I always wanted to help. And I knew I had to have something fall back on. People said, oh, your looks aren't going to last forever. You got to have something legitimate. So I, I was a social worker part-time, promotional model, spokes model, a lot of jobs. I was put in front of a microphone speaking about cars at big events. And then it just sort of like just ask, just things just started to, I just kept saying yes to things and yes and yes. I love that. Say yes to opportunity. When I think of you, I just I think of someone that just has so much strength and resilience. And I'd love your thoughts. You know, what what would you say to to a young person or anyone really who is struggling, but it doesn't have that courage to just try to go for what they want or to get out of the situation that they're in? Uh, what advice would you give? Yeah, I, I would say to any young woman who has uh, go or is going through significant struggles or has recently been through that it doesn't matter where you come from. It really does not. It matters where you want to go and what you're willing to sacrifice for it. For me, I knew that I always had to live under my means so that I could 
achieve the things I wanted to. So I knew that going into a big city, I didn't have a lot of money. Uh, so I kept my expenses low. I slept on my friend's couch. I had a small amount of closet space in her closet. I decided that I was willing to sacrifice whatever I had to in order to achieve the things that I wanted. And sacrificing did not mean sacrificing my dignity or my morality or, or, or any of the, uh, my, sorry, my morals. It was all about um, keeping the vision ahead of me and not sort of falling into the setup of what life is supposed to be for me as a woman in my early twenties. Like you're supposed to find your, your love. You're supposed to get married. You're supposed to have kids. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. Like all of these messages are given to women. And for anybody who wants to be really successful in their life and achieve things that are very difficult to achieve. Like, you know, if you want to become a, an Olympic athlete, you know, you're going to have to dedicate a lot of time to practice and, and, and being in there and eating healthy and sleeping, which means you're going to have to be disincluded from a lot of other things in life. So it's like in the scale, what is it that you want? Okay. If you want uh, fame, if you want a uh, high uh, uh, achievement of success, you're going to have to give up something for it, which means going to friends' birthday parties, maybe having the most expensive clothes, maybe not ha maybe living in a 300 square foot apartment. You're going to have to do these things to achieve those things. If you are trying to uh, just, you know, achieve success in life or outlive horrific things that have happened to you, you're going to have to put yourself first, first of all, and you're going to have to make sacrifices. For me, I didn't want to get married. I didn't want to have children. I had a vision of things I wanted to accomplish. And I think the reason why I had things I wanted to accomplish was because I had so many negative things happen to me as a young child that I just wanted to pile enough amazing things on top of one another that that was not me. That was something that happened to me. But I... I was a promotional model. I was a spokesperson. I was a social worker. I was a journalist. I was a host on the shopping channel. I was a, a chase producer on ET Canada. I had my own website called Sugarcane Entertainment. I did all of these things. I am not a victim. So I think for women everywhere who have had horrible things happen to them, we need to start doing really good things to feel good. Volunteering at a soup kitchen makes you feel good. Um, maybe babysitting or looking after people's children. You need to start doing really positive things that make you feel good to help heal yourself so that you can become successful. And that could be becoming a mother of five children. That could be being married. That could be become a, an anchor on uh, NBC. It's like, what is it that you want to achieve? But you, in order to get rid of all the negative things in life, you have to start doing some good stuff. Clearly, giving back is very important to you, as well as helping those that are coming up behind you. It makes me feel good. Yeah. It makes me feel good to help other people. And when I feel good about myself, I'm living a better life. So charitable organizations have always been something for me. I know what it's like to come from nothing. So when somebody asks of my help or wants me to donate my time or my talent and they don't have the money for it, I'm happy because I believe, you know, you're paying it forward anyway. And, you know, so radio, television, uh, comedian, author, personality, I, I never thought that 
I would be exactly where I am today, but I knew that I aspired for it and that I had the desire to achieve it and that I was willing to do the hard work to get where I am today. So when I look back, I think, wow, when I look at that little girl, I mean, she never really thought she was going to get here, but um, she wasn't willing to give up the drive to try, right? The drive to try. It's like, I don't know if I'm going to make it across that lake, but I'm going to you know, I'm going to die trying because there's really no other option. Right. And if you do die trying, you know, you, you die with dignity, right? So trying, you were trying and that's all, all anybody in life can really do is just keep trying. And I think for women everywhere in the world, you, you have to continue to try. So have there been mentors and sponsors who have kind of helped you along the way? Absolutely. And I think because I left home at such an early age, I was in a foster home when I was 14. I lived on my own when I was 17 and moved to Toronto when I was 20. That along the way, I knew I was alone in the world and I knew that I needed guidance. And the one of the first, I went to college to be a social worker when I was 21 and I met the most amazing woman. She was my teacher for English and she was just so influential to me. She taught me early to always remember that, you know, beauty is skin deep. She would always, you know, encourage me to, yes, you know, you're beautiful on the outside, but just remember you also have substance on the inside and don't let people diminish you to just being like a cupcake, you know, that there's actually substance to that cupcake and a filling. And she was a huge influence. The first person to ever take a picture of me on the Toronto Sun um, newspaper was Ian McDonald. He always was looking out for me, letting me know like, hey kid, you know, this world in this city, avoid this person, avoid this person, avoid this person. And I would always call him for guidance. And for he, he was a, a huge influence on me. And he also uh, introduced me to um, a promotional spokeswoman named Diana Williams, who for 15 to 18 years, I worked as a spokesmodel for her. And she had a bunch of women and and talent, like actors and, and comedians and everybody working for her. And you would do promotional work. And for that period of time, she also influenced me greatly. So I felt like there was gifts given to me in life of people who genuinely cared about me. And I knew that it was the smartest thing to do was to accept that care, right? Because I wasn't getting it from my home life at that time, right? And I I had two very influential women uh, in my life, my grandmother, who has passed six months ago, and my aunt. Um, But I never, I didn't live with them long enough throughout my life. And they were very influential on me from the outside. I could always call them. But those two women were probably the strongest women in my life that always instilled in me that strength to never give up. My grandmother came from Germany uh, during this, like just after the Second World War on a ship alone. She had a daughter in Germany that she had to leave behind and come to Canada, cooked uh, at the PX, cooked for you know, some of the military people, uh, had, had a boarding house that she looked after. So she was also a very strong, influential woman in my life. But yeah, like I, if you don't have those people to guide you, then you need to find people to guide you and embrace you. And whenever I meet young girls who are out there who 
um, are I see myself in them, I tend to gravitate towards them. I mentor uh, kids from Loyal's College. I do a lot of party planning for the past five years in Belleville, and I'm always taking two or three girls on on to teach them how to party plan, to teach them how to market, to teach them how to run an event, because I feel like so many women gave back to me along my way that now when I see girls, I want to give back to them. I don't have my own children, so I feel that it is it is my duty to give back. So in addition to everything else you do, you're also an author. How, how did that happen? Girl, I'll tell you how that <laughs> happened. So many campfires. All my friends would say, oh my God, Elena, tell us some of those unlucky love stories. I was like the love story campfire teller. My girlfriends would gather around and they'd say, tell us the tell us the latest love story that's blown up or whatever. So I would tell these stories and they would laugh and they'd say, oh my gosh, you should write a book. And I've been hearing this since I was 20, 21, like I literally have been dating for 32 years. I should actually get, I should retire from dating, but I'm not going to get a pension from it. So unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. So the unlucky and love confessions of a diehard romantic really talks a lot about what we have been talking about. And that is uh, where I came from and how I went from living in a small town to sitting next to Ivana Trump, Priscilla Presley, uh, Wolfgang Puck, all these big stars helping them sell their goods you know, coming from a little small town where we were poor and we're dumpster diving and had nothing, but then helping people who have everything uh, sell their stuff. So uh, the Unlucky and Love Confessions of a Diary Romantic is actually a, a part of a trilogy. So it started out where I just wanted to get this book out. I just wanted to get my story out. I just wanted to talk about these funny love stories that have happened. So the other women would read them and go, have have more forgiveness for themselves and go, Whoa, she's really put it out there. You know, it's like, hey, look at all my stuff and I don't care, right? Look at this failed love story and this failed love story and look at this and look at this and it doesn't matter. It's part of your journey. It's not a failure. It's part of your story. It's part of your journey. It's not a failure. It's just a story. Another chapter. A chapter in your book. It's not the entire book. You cannot let one specific event or specific story define your entire life. It, and that's what the book was set about to do. And at the end of the book, I give the title and the title of the second book is, is, is at the end of the first book. It's part of a trilogy. So there is a third and final book in this series, which didn't really start out to be a series until I thought, you know what? This is kind of a three part thing. It, it the, the second story tells about this past year, how I lived for an entire year, which is like the equivalent of the amazing race ending without a boyfriend and just dated and found myself again and listened to my inner self after all these years of working so hard and focused on, on my goals. I never really thought about like a, a companion, like what would I want in a companion? What would really work for my life, right? And so this past year, I've kind of discovered a lot of things about myself that I share. And then the, the third book it just helped continue to deliver this message of you can be anything that you want to be. I know it sounds hokey, but it really is true. And I don't think enough women really believe it because we're still saying it today. You can be anything you want to be. So I'm really interested to know, if you could transport back in time and sit down and have a tea party with the five-year-old you, what would that conversation look like? Wow. You know, it actually, when I think about myself at five years old and living with a monster, living with a horrible man whose only joy was in my suffering, I 
would probably wrap my arms around that little girl and I would hug her and I would kiss her and I would tell her, you don't give up because you are going to become an amazing person. And what's happening to you right now is only temporary. I, I would tell her that the things that are going on around you right now and the things that are happening to you have nothing to do with the quality of person of who you are. It has to do with the quality of person who is hurting you. And I would let my five-year-old self know that she's beautiful, that she's loving, that she's strong, that she's more than what she sees in the mirror, and that she is going to live more in her life than she could ever dream of living. And yeah, I just, I, when I think of my five-year-old self, I just think of uh, just a beautiful little girl who thought on a regular basis, like, why is this happening to me? Like, what is wrong with me? And I would really want that five-year-old girl to know there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. The person that's hurting you, there's something wrong with them, not you. And that, that, that would just make me feel so much better because I used to spend so much of my childhood just asking myself, like, what is wrong with me? Why is this happening to me? Like, why am I so, like, what is it about me that this person doesn't like, right? Mm -hmm. And I just want her to know that, you know, smile because, you know, you're going to do greater things than this person could ever imagine doing. Well, Arlena, I just want to thank you so much for inviting us into your studio today and for really giving us so much of your personal story. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Run It Like a Girl is hosted by Bonnie Moak. Brian Long is the producer. Web design and technical assistance provided by Dan Moak. And music courtesy of the talented Brooklyn Gillichuk.